Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Buy a Business Near Me, brought to you by the Business Radio X Ambassador Program, helping business brokers sell more local businesses. Now, here's your host. Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Buy a Business Near Me. Stone Payton here with you this afternoon. This is going to be a fantastic episode. Please join me in welcoming to the program exit coach, business broker, and advisor, Joe Pergolisi. How are you, man? I'm great. I'm great, Stone. Nice to talk with you. Well, we are delighted to have you on the show. I've got a thousand questions. We won't get to them all, but before we go there... Uh, let's give the folks a little bit of a, a, a primer mission purpose. What, what are you and your folks really out there uh, trying to do for people? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I put it succinctly, you know, for the business owner, we create life-changing events for them. You know, there's a lot of sweat equity that goes into building a business and, and there's a lot of appreciation that can get built into it. So, you know, that's sort of their victory lap when they exit a business. And uh, for some business owners, it's actually a sigh of relief, as we all know. And then for the buyers, um, you know, that's their their next big opportunity. The buyers are on the hunt. And so they're looking for a business that has inherent value and they want to scale it. So, you know, we work both sides. Uh, and um, again, you know, we we like to say we create life-changing events and we also help people hunt for their next big opportunity. So let's talk about time and timing for a, a moment, uh, partially because I think our listeners will benefit, but also, uh, you yeah, know, this kind of, this, this, some of this kind of content is really helpful for me. My business partner and I, we've got a, we've got a good business and, um, you know, I don't think we're close to an exit, but when, for example, when should a business owner or set of partners be sort of trying to get their ducks in a row and be thinking about prepping for a, a productive exit? Yeah, yeah. To talk about, let's say, business partners first, it's important to ha- to be on the same page, right? Because people's timelines can be a little bit different. Someone might be close to retirement, or maybe somebody has plans for another venture. So, you know, communication is everything. Sometimes your business partner is really like a second marriage. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think just sitting down and, and start to having the conversations and, you know, keeping things open, you know, what's your plan or when would you like for this to happen? And, you know, do you want to stick around? And I'm thinking this. And, and sometimes, you know, you have business partners that will buy out other business partners. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, for the partnership, the first thing is to start having the conversations yesterday. And after you guys have come to uh, some sort of agreement, then the clock is ticking, right? Because what you start to see is some business owners are starting to make decisions a little bit differently. Uh, If they're planning, let's say, for their exit in a year or two. So maybe they're investing a little bit more money, maybe in initial biz dev, or maybe they're looking at their hiring plan or scaling back. So I think once it starts coming up in your mind, then it's the best time to start talking to somebody. Uh, because again, you know, one of the biggest things is we deal with is people who, 
you know, we talk to and they're like, wow, I wish I spoke to you a year ago. I didn't realize Mm -hmm. there was so much to think about or I would have done things differently. And there's no pressure. A good broker is all about a relationship. So a a business owner should never feel like it's too soon because it never is. Never is. Um, (laughs) There's a lot to it. Yeah. Well, no, as you were describing that process, I'm trying to envision Lee and I in the same room with a broker. And I wonder if sometimes, you know, you mentioned like a second marriage, you almost have to put your, your, your therapist hat on maybe sometimes as an advisor. (laughs) Do you ever find that's the case? Oh yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Uh, There's a fine art to, to, Choosing the right words, to setting the stage, to making everybody feel comfortable about something that could be very personable to them. So absolutely, there's a finesse. And I think that that gets lost. Uh, it's not really on the radar for, for a lot of business owners, but there are some ways where, you know, we're building trust independently and hoping to get everybody to, to feel candid Uh about about talking about what their plans are. So so yeah, in 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 other situations too what we might do is we might uh let's say talk to you first stone and have a, a candid conversation with you and then have a candid conversation with Lee uh-huh. and then you know the three of us might get together. So you know that's common too. We we've done that. Um yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's a fine art. Um we you know, we tend to think that sometimes we're a CPA, sometimes we're a business coach, sometimes we're we are a therapist, <laughs> sometimes we're a confidant. Um, yeah, it, it, the the good brokers are really wearing multiple hats. Absolutely. So, speak to this um, this idea. I, I think the right word is valuation, but figuring out what the true market value, practical market value of your business is, because I can anticipate that sometimes, you know, I mean, this is our baby, you know, (laughs) we've worked on this thing for 18 plus years. I was telling you before we came on the air and uh, I don't, sometimes we may not have the realistic view. Can you speak a little bit to the valuation process? Yeah, absolutely. So the way I've grown to learn about valuations is that there's actually, let's say three valuations happening at the same time. And so to, to put this more into context, um, a business owner is selling for one of three reasons. They've come to the conclusion that they are burnt out, they're done. Uh, time is very important to them. It's not so much the money. Um, a lot of entrepreneurs are thinking about their next venture. Um, and some entrepreneurs are just looking for their price. So sometimes it's burnout. Uh, sometimes it's, you know, onto the next venture and sometimes they're just building their business till they get to the price. Now on the flip side, um, the market is the second sort of valuation. You know, the market speaks. We always say that. Um, I could think what a business is worth. You could think what a business is worth, but at the end of the day, what's the buyers, what are the buyers going to think? And this is an interesting predicament because sometimes you are exactly the right thing that a company is looking for and or a business owner is looking for, and they're evaluating build or buy. So they'll look at your business and they will actually potentially pay a little bit more of a premium. And then you have other buyers who are just discount shoppers. 
And they're going to look for every single way to, let's say, lower the valuation, or I should say, lower the value of your company. Um, and again, not to not to toot a broker's horn, but you know, we're always assessing where is this buyer coming from? Uh, who are they? So the buyer's going to have their own valuation, and then there's the business valuation. And what we look at is historicals, and what we also look at is what the scalable opportunities are, because that's the buyer speak. Buyers are always looking for how to build this business back up. And when we look at a business, we're always looking for what's the low hanging fruit? What's the feasibility? What are the opportunities? How do we get the cream to come to the top? So we will look at what the average multiple is, let's say, on um, seller discretionary earnings. And seller discretionary earnings are the net revenue, bottom line, of the business, plus all the, let's say, fringe benefits that the owner partakes in, the cell phone, the travel, the coffee. Um, So those get added back into the bottom line, as well as the owner's salary. Okay, so seller discretionary earnings um, comprised of net revenue, depreciation, fringe benefits, owner salary, and then we apply a multiple to it. And multiples can range depending on the type of business. Um, You'll see, you know, the multiples can range from someone who's desperate, wanting to get out. Maybe it's around 2x. It's a very good business. You could have 4x, 5x, 6, 7x on software uh, companies. Um, And, you know, the other thing that's commonly overlooked, Stone, is uh, the deal structure. So a lot of business owners don't necessarily understand that they're not going to get a check for their full price at close. And for some, that presents a problem. But if, let's say, I listed your business at a million dollars, someone might come in and offer you $900,000, let us say, in cash and 100000 in seller financing. Um, other people might say, okay, your list price stone is a million dollars. How about I give you 600000 cash, but I'm going to ask, and I'm going to actually give you, um, I'm going to ask for a $700,000 seller note. I'm going to give you 7%. I'm going to pay you over the course of three years or two years. So now your $1 million business valuation is actually getting $1.2 million because of the structure of the deal. And again, those are just loose numbers, yeah. but there's just such a database of, of different deal structures that kind of can influence a purchase price. So again, to overview, there's your timeline, there are your reasons, there's the market, what they think, what they want. Then there's the actual financials and the business, the scalability. And then maybe the fourth thing is what the terms are. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it's a matrix. And a good broker should probably be able to go through this with somebody, you know, over the course of 30 minutes, an hour. And yeah. <laughs> but it's in such a fascinating arena to me. I, I got to know the, the backstory, man. How did you end up in this line of work? Oh, thanks. Uh, You know, I was a studio art major in college, 
And uh, a small business opportunity came across my plate. It was a business I knew really well. And um, I think my parents understood that I was a struggling student. And back in 1994, they lent me $15,000 to buy out this business. And um, I put my heart and soul into it. And it made $30,000 its first month. So I knew I had something. And then about uh, five years later, I sold that business. So I had my first exit when I was around 26. And then, um, you know, I waited around. I knew what opportunity felt like. And I started a food franchise. And, you know, when I had that franchise, I was so fortunate. I had a great mentor, the late Ira Knotson. I always say his name incorrectly. I'm looking at a picture of him. And Ira wrote the book on how to buy and sell your business for Entrepreneur Magazine. Mm. And um, I learned so much from Ira. He was such a salt of the earth guy. And, you know, you think you think business at a certain high level is all this polish. Uh, it's really not. Um, I It really is a little scrappy at the end of the day. And Ira taught me quite a bit. And, you know, just life experience uh, dealing with, um, you know, big companies. I've worked with Apple, um, Steve Jobs. I've worked with Burton, Airbnb, and just to better understand uh, everything from the first time entrepreneur all the way up to the biggest companies in the world. What's the fabric? What are the makeups of the people? And I had probably just enough confidence to to think I could do it at a certain <laughs> point in my career. And then, you know, you take the leap. Uh, I'm learning every single day. What I what I know today is very different than my approach four years ago. Um, I think, like you said, right before the call, we're always learning. So, so yeah, yeah I've had the colorful career and really, really fortunate. Um, you can only connect the dots going back, as they say, not <laughs> forward. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you mentioned, in my words, you're working both sides of the equation. You work with buyers and sellers. How does the whole? So, and so I know you're you're helping sellers get ready to 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 sell and, and do well. But how does the whole sales and marketing thing work for you? Like, how do you get to to write new business and 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 help folks? Do you, what what is that? That looks to me like it would be a real challenge. Um, are you talking about finding businesses uh, to help sell and also find buyers as well? Yeah, yeah. Particularly yeah. finding buyers, I would think, would be tough. But yeah. Oh wow, there's so many buyers. Oh okay, all right. I have um, yeah exponentially more buyers right now, and then I do having um, that I do have sellers. Uh, there's you know there's <laughs> these are my formulas i'm giving out my i've there's three types of entrepreneurs there's the pioneer let's call them the artist uh, the people that have the creativity mm. then there's the guy that's into systems and scaling and then there's let's say the expert who knows how to turn around a business that's failing and you'd be surprised the artists are really in the minority and there's so many people who are scalers who are on the hunt that don't possess the creativity, the artistry, the passion, um, but they understand operations. So we develop, you know, our networks pretty easy because anybody that inquires about a business, that's a pass. 
on a business, they're a buy on any number of businesses thereafter. Um, So, you know, if we get 100 leads, 100 buy leads on a deal, those are now 100 buyers that are now in my CRM. Um, And every buyer, you know, I, I deal with first time entrepreneurs, all the way up to private equity and family offices. And those people are really neat to talk to. Uh, you know, they're buying and selling businesses all day long on their own. Um, you know, the, the hardest thing for a broker is, is can be finding uh, the sellers and cultivating those relationships. And, right. you know, that's networking. Um, the best form of networking that we find is referrals from our sellers and, and spending time with great people like you. Well, thank you for that. But what this is underscoring for me, and I mentioned this yesterday, we we did an episode in in this series. As I'm learning more and doing more interviews in this arena, I'm finding, uh, I'm beginning to understand this this world is far more relationship-oriented, relationship-dependent, relationship-centric then I guess I originally had it framed up in my mind. In my mind, it was so transactional. And that's not the case at all, is it? Not at, not a, not at all. Not yeah. at all. It, there's so much we have to know and understand. It's well beyond an MBA. But at the end of the day, um, like we said in the beginning, it's it's somebody's baby. And, and the good brokers, I think, have some form of let's say like moral responsibility to do the right thing for everybody uh because it's the right. gravity of the situation um is a big deal and and we have to be able to invest in people that has to be a genuine relationship and and you know there's there's a lot um a seller doesn't know they don't know what they don't know and we have to tread lightly uh, because at the there's always curveballs, um, and sometimes we're a firefighter. And the more transparent, the more trust we have, uh, the more trust there is in a relationship, the the easier it is to overcome the unexpected. Um, so it's both. I think there's an, an ethical or moral component. To our work, uh, you know, because it is someone's perhaps, uh, you know, family wealth lineage. Uh, we could be creating generational wealth, and yeah. and how great is it? How great is that? Um, but it also is for the preservation of of the deal, looking out for everybody's best interests, and it really counts to have um, a great rapport, um, you know, in which is. I always feel like I'm selling against that, right? Because when I was, before I was in brokerage, I used to think brokers were put in the same category as a used car salesman. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, to your point, now I've realized uh, I'm a therapist. (laughs) I'm a psychologist. Now, don't a lot of sellers, and maybe I'm just projecting my own, my own bias and preconceived notions, but, but don't some sellers really want to keep the fact that they're selling the business kind of on the down low? Like they don't. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We see that every single day, which is great. It's best. 
it's it's so best to not play that hand if you don't have to, whether it's looking out for employee retention or, you know, as I say, putting putting blood in the water. If you're a shark to your competitors, you want to be really strategic about that. And, you know, to my to your first question, you know, when should you start to look for selling your business? And I said, the sooner, the better. And that's because a, a broker then has time to assess uh, the targets, right? To have mm-hmm. conversations with the sellers to extract as much information as possible. Um, you know, my my food franchise that I sold, I thought someone who was Italian was going to buy my pizza franchise, and it was someone from Sri Lanka. Who knew? So. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the to answer your question, it's always best to just hold those cards tight, consult with a broker you trust, have a strategy around that. Sometimes it doesn't impact a business at all, uh, because potentially you have, you know, the next CEO or or operator in the business. But it it really uh, helps if a good broker can sort of put out all the cards, put out all the scenarios, weigh them, put them in sequential order on how to approach, what to say, all those things. So hold the cards, start talking about, start talking to a broker yesterday. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's, let's talk about me some more. It's like one of my favorite topics, <laughs> but no, no, Lee, Lee and I have talked about, we have um, studio partners, we call them. They're really our highest level of client, but we, we have several physical studios around the country and we have presence in other markets. And one of the thoughts that Lee and I had was selling most or all of the business to that group of people you know, almost like a, I don't know, is that like an internal sale? So is that something you would ever advise on? Do you still, is that still kind of the same path? You would still want to seek out a professional to, 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 to guide us through that process, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would say you have, you have identified a really good, let's say, buyer network. And the strategy that I would impose there would be uh, learning more, let's say, about your top five. Which ones do you have the best relationship with? Mm -hmm. Which ones have the best upside to? And, you know, another thing that goes along with the valuation is, you know, which transaction is going to give you the least amount of brain damage? Because something that a lot of sellers don't realize is there's a period of due diligence. And you might think that you sign an LOI, you're done. You're not. Uh, A good broker is going to assess a buyer and say, well, what are they going to be asking from Stone? What kind of financials? What kind of contracts? What kind of um, consulting contract? Are they going to really ask you for what? What are their expectations? So there is really something to relationship uh, with a buyer and assessment of who actually is going to close, because a buyer can back out at any point in time, um, unless once of course the APA is signed. So you know that would be something that uh, you know I would do. We would do with you is take a step back, look at all the markets, look at, identify some targets 
And then, you know, which ones have you had conversations with? Which one are you most friendly with? And by all means, we would still take you to market. And the only caveat I would say to that, though, is if the stars really aligned, where you had a really good buyer who you got along with, who's going to close, and you got a good fair price, just be done. You know, like, don't go back to market for an additional, you know, 5%, even 10%, just be done. uh, Because it's a roller coaster ride. And there is really something to say for uh, eliminating brain damage. Um, yeah, did that answer your question? <laughs> no, it absolutely did. Uh, okay. All right. So before we wrap, let's, uh, if we can, let's leave uh, some pro tips, I guess you'd call them, for, for some buyers and sellers. I mean, the number one pro tip is, is reach out to, to Joe and his team and have a conversation with them. But just yeah. some things that they maybe can begin to think about. I don't know if it's a book they should read, if it's something that they should be talking about amongst themselves. But let's let's leave them with a few tips to to kind of help them begin to think through this kind of thing? Yeah, great question. Uh, You know, one of the things that we spend a lot of time as brokers on is evaluating your books. And Mm. it's really important to keep as clean as possible your books. Do not have your own business checking account. Have your own business credit card. If you can negotiate some good contracts, that's first and foremost. Just make sure there's a clear delineation starting today with your books between personal and business. Get separate business accounts. Do not co-mingle two businesses under one account. Do not. That is just a nightmare and talk about due diligence, you're going to run into a lot of problems. So books are first. The second I think is working on your mindset. Do not be fixed either on a price or who's going to buy your business. Leave that up to the professionals. So many people get in their own way. So start having a flexible mindset. The third is, um, oh, just escape me. Give me a second. Um, understand what your motivations are going to be. How much gas do you have left in the tank for something like this? What kind of price would you like for your business? Is something a little bit more attractive? Do not wait to sell your business uh, if revenues are good. The moment your revenues start to drop, that is the absolute worst time to sell your business. Going level on your revenue is fine. But as soon as you start tailing off in your revenues, it could almost be too late. At that point, you could be potentially, quote unquote, a distressed asset. That's why it's so important. Talk to somebody tomorrow. Um, Understand where your investments may or may may not should go in your business. you know, those are the big high level things, mostly around numbers, some around mindset. Um, and and yeah, I could talk for hours, but those would be sort of the main things to think about. A book, mm, you know, maybe maybe even going back in your own mind and thinking, why did I start this business in the first place? You know, write your own book. 
at that point. One of my favorite books, though, of all time is, um, I believe it's How to Grow a Business or How to Start Your Own Business. It, it It's a short book. Um, I read it some 25, 30 years ago. Um, do I have it on my shelf? Um, I do have it on my shelf somewhere. Maybe reading, you know, How to Start a Business book. Um, you know, beginning with the end in mind, uh, you know, playing little mind tricks on yourself like that to start really understanding what you've built, what do you want out of it? Yeah, I'm a big fan of reflection, if you can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can. And I'm so glad that I asked the question because I think these are absolute pearls. And one of the things that you, um, I don't know about challenge my thinking, but certainly um, inform my thinking is apparently you can get a lot more creative with the deal structure than I anticipated as well. And, and, and back to that mindset, be open to different ways to structure that deal. A hundred percent. I'd say it's, you know, it's 30 to 40% of what's involved on my end is the deal structure. And in my world, if, um, if I'm working with an adjacent buyer, somebody else who's, let's say, representing the buyer or seller, um, that's, that's what we're talking about. What deal structure do we need to get this deal done? How much cash does the buyer have? Or how much cash does the seller want? We always start there. And, you know, you, you, all of a sudden we could throw down the equity card where Equity could be a real good insurance policy for a buyer uh, if they know a seller wants to stay involved because then they're sort of still confident in their business. And a seller could be like, well, I can't get my full price, but I might be able to retain 25% equity and I could have the option to sell the 25% at a higher Mm-hmm. Uh, price, higher valuation in three to five years and still get a little, you know, nice little chunk of change after a year. So, oh my gosh, it, you know, it, the deal, the deal can be, the deal is in the terms. Uh, I, I say that cautiously, but I also say it from experience that um, the deal could be made in the terms. Oh, man, this is great stuff. I can't thank you enough for investing the time to visit with us this afternoon. This has been an inspiring, informative conversation. You really have stimulated uh, my thinking. I want to make sure that our listeners, if they'd like to reach out and have a conversation with you or someone on your team, let's leave them with some coordinates, whatever you think is appropriate, a website, a LinkedIn, whatever works for you. But I want them to be able to to connect with you. Oh, yeah. And I would welcome... Any um, anybody reaching out, whether you're planning selling your business yesterday or you want to start talking because you want an exit in two years or just any general questions, just please reach out to me. I love what I do every single day. Um, first and foremost, you can find me on LinkedIn. It's Joe Pergolisi. The way you spell my last name is P is in Peter, E is in Edward, R is in Roger, G is in George, O is in Oliver. L as in Larry, I as in Ivan, Z as in Zebra, Z as in Zebra, I as in Ivan. So you can find me on LinkedIn at Joe Pergolisi. I'm not the doctor. So there's a doctor in Florida. <laughs> I am uh, I'm the exit coach and, and uh, business broker. Or if you want to email me, uh, it's simply J 
Pergolisi, which I just spelled out a moment ago. So jpergolisi at websitecloser's.com. Well, thank you again, Joe. This has been fantastic. You're doing important work, man, and we really appreciate you. <laughs> Thanks so much for the opportunity, Stone. I'm glad I could be of service to you and your listeners. All right. This is Stone Payton for our guest today, Joe Pergolisi, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Buy a Business Near Me.